The Celtics hit 22 threes against the Jazz on 43% shooting and still gave up a 19-point lead in yet another disappointing loss with poor crunch time execution. Is the sky falling or is this another forgivable outcome given the Celts were missing three starters? Going to talk all about it next on First to the Floor. Welcome in to another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics are 3-2 and two on this long road trip, uh, but it has not come without its disappointing moments. But don't worry, there are some positive takeaways too. Joining us to talk all about it, Mr. Wayne Spoony. Spoons, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. We're this close. They're about to put it together. Yes, I right? <laughs> I can feel it. The run's coming, baby. We we have to live our lives feeling that way. Uh, and of course, the man with the mistress, Jake Eisenberg. Hot take, Jake. Welcome back, Jake. How's things? Look, I've, I've got one in the chamber. It's pretty pretty hot, I reckon, today. So I'm ready to roll. I had I had a doubt on my run sheet to introduce you as a Milwaukee Bucks apologist. Um, but <laughs> oh. maybe we can, we can talk about the, the one seed... Uh, the situation there uh, in a I second. I, I will give that. you right a reply before we move on. Joe Ingles <laughs> makes it really hard for me, man. I love him so much, and he's been playing so well lately. So, like, and like when he cooks people and he stays in front of people and he just like gives them this like this look of like, yeah, why are you surprised? Just makes just my nationalistic loins start burning, <laughs> and so it's just tough. Especially with everything that, or everything that Ben Simmons didn't do for our nation, exactly. uh, we're, we're looking for gold elsewhere. Rose gold. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the Backdoor Cut podcast. Uh, <laughs> all right, Boston Celtics. Um, I, I will lead by saying, in a vacuum, not a bad loss. Which, like, contextually, given how the last, uh, we'll say, month has gone or more, um, you know, you can make arguments uh, against that point. No Marcus. No Al. No Rob. You know, to back-to-back against the Jazz in altitude, who, you know, they were on four days rest. Spoonie, what were your main takeaways from this one? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Like, how, how do you feel about the team right now after this game? First of all, how do you give a team a and rest I, advantage like that? I think we were in our third and four nights, too, uh-huh. with travel. We've gone from Atlanta to U- Atlanta up to Portland, now down to Utah in, like, a week and a half. Um, so, that's... This is like exactly what I expect to happen when they've got such a massive rest advantage. Like we've played recently, so they've got to knock the rust off. We went on this ridiculous tear in the second quarter. Uh, We're making everything or the first quarter and then into the second quarter. And then all of a sudden you could just see their legs get tired. They front rimmed like four straight shots and they the most frustrating thing in the world and in my opinion, the singular singular reason they lost this game was we could not secure a defensive rebound during that big run when they erased that 19-point lead. And it was over and over again. We got absolutely battered on the glass. And, you know, missing our two centers. And, you know, we're on a back-to-back in altitude. Like, that's the type of way I expect to lose, even though when they go up 19, you're like, oh, yeah, this will be a great win. Um, but... We should all know better by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I I got tricked. Yeah, I was I was in. They went on nineteen, and I was like, oh, "This would be a great time to bet on the Jazz." But now nah, they're they're playing so well. There's no, they're not going to do it again. Surely not. Yes, in a vacuum, not a terrible loss. The problem is, once you get up nineteen, all of your feelings are. Look, now we're going to go four, four out of the last five. The Rockets game doesn't even matter. It's actually kind of good because we get the draft pick. Now we're on two in a row, going to Sacramento. And then we actually get the rest advantage. We'll have two days off. They're ending. They have a back-to-back with the Jazz, and then they play us. Um, you just start getting all, all worked up. They pulled me right back in. I turned right back into a, a regular season beta when I've been a playoff alpha <laughs> all season long. I, I got caught up in the wins and the losses. But yeah, they um the, the the rebounding and then the zone. They couldn't crack the zone like for a quarter and a half. And you know who's really helpful for cracking the zone? Al, Rob, and Marcus. Oh yeah. Like 
probably the top three guys for beating the zone and playmate. I don't know why they didn't go to like Tatum getting the ball in the middle of the zone, and that may be something we can talk about with uh, questions with Joe at the moment because I feel like Tatum makes good decisions from that spot as well, and like g- giving the ball to Tatum, you know, at the nail. Good things always happen. It feels like so. I was that was a bit disappointing. Cannot see that, and no well, team in the post. Come on, I think the yes, more Tatum in the post, please. Uh, the thing they were running a one-three-one zone, which is like kind of most teams run like a two-three or a three-two. So they had a guy like right on the foul line. So you, I think you have to attack it a little differently. And we started to, and I thought Hardy went away from it too quickly. We got like two or three open corner threes. I think we missed them all, mm-hmm. uh, but then Hardy just immediately went into a two, three. And then that's when you get Tatum yeah. in that spot. And we didn't do it then. Um, but that initial zone that really flummoxed us was a one, three. That's like college stuff. You rarely see that. So it probably goes to Hardy being, pretty damn good coach if he knows exactly when to bust that out and then when to get rid of it uh once we started to figure out like all you got to do is bring that those guys on the outside up and then the corners are just wide open and what's up raf but thanks for stopping by brother yeah look if you want a game plan against jason tatum just give will hardy a call because that one three one zone that included like um a frantic blitzing of ball screens that was set for Jason Tatum and it was just like completely focused on making life incredibly difficult for for Tatum and you think about a zone and like you know just by its very title and nature like you you stay within a zone and you guard that zone but the the zone was warping and shifting towards Tatum at all times and making life incredibly difficult for him and it makes sense that Will Hardy is going to be the guy with the blueprint for that It's, it's unfortunate now that even more film exists that people can study to make life difficult for Jason Tatum and the Celtics in the postseason. They were they were double teaming Jason Tatum all night, blitzing him on practical all ball screens. Uh, I thought for the most part Tatum and the Celtics did a pretty good job playing off that. Um, you know, despite the fact that we were, or especially considering the fact that we were missing three starters and three high potential beneficiaries of, of Tatum absorbing multiple defenders. Like you think about the three point opportunities that someone like Al Horford would have gotten out of those looks and out of those reads that we know Jason Tatum can make and did make in this game. It's just unfortunate that we're missing so many high caliber players that we really could have harnessed in this particular one. And then defensively, the Jazz just destroyed us. You mentioned the rebounds before. The disparity was 56 to 40 in favor of the Jazz. Points in the paint, 48 to 30 again in favor of the Jazz. Of the Jazz, rather. Second chance points, 20 to 8 again in favor of the Jazz. And part of that was because our best quote-unquote rim defender was Luke Cornett all night who registered a healthy zero blocks along with Mike Muscala and Blake Griffin, also zero blocks. Um, yeah, second night of a back-to-back, multiple starters in straight clothes. Fatigue absolutely became a factor. You mentioned the front rimming of shots, but but letting guys like Taylor Horton Tucker get to the rim, there was a sequence late in the game where Tatum missed a, a fairly uncontested reverse lefty layup, which you know has a somewhat high degree of difficulty but you know not for someone like Jason Tatum or any NBA player really and then Taylor Horton Tucker comes down the other end and hits a spin contested layup right in Tatum's face next possession Jalen Brown misses a completely uncontested three-pointer next possession Luke Cornett stripped under the rim who was seemingly open for a second on the catch and just fatigue became a factor we had plenty of opportunities to to seal the deal in this one Uh, and I, I suppose we can get to that last play that uh, unfortunately involved some Grant Williams shenanigans, but many opportunities. I-, I thought the Celtics played the right way for the majority of this game, and unfortunately, you know, they just they just ran out of gas. And we can't look at these things in a vacuum because there's so much context that goes into into each of these games. But unfortunately, you know, if you look at the Twitter sphere and the, the general voice of Celtics fans everywhere at the moment, like this is just part of an ongoing trend. The Celtics are starting to suck essentially, which is tough to tough to cop online as a, as a pro Celtics guy. <laughs> Man, you you did a great job just there, Ben. You took me on a roller coaster. It was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and they played well for the most part, like played the right way, and then you you read out some of those plays, and then I had flashbacks, one that, that you didn't mention that causes me a lot of pain, Jalen Brown, eight-second violation, getting over oh, half yeah. court. Oh, my God. That's, did you see Derek White's reaction? Oh, yeah, yes. He was what we, he was what everybody was doing on their couch at home. Yeah, <laughs> like as as they should have been. It's like how 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 and but that speaks to the 
you shouldn't speak to anything. That's just inexcusable. <laughs> I don't care if it's back to back to back to back games. Like you cannot have eight second violations when it's a close game in the fourth quarter. Like it's just inexcusable. But like that was the game. It was like you you, you just like take out kind of the collapse of the lead and some little plays. But like a lot of like they got a seven point lead. It was like two and a half minutes to go. They blow that one as well. Like they did some really good stuff. I thought on you know with the rest advantage with the jazz but that's just the kind of those are the feelings that are invoked by watching the Celtics right now it's elation and ecstasy and just darkness and despair at this all all at the same time yeah I feel like like those are all my thoughts about this game and kind of the Blazers game as well Blazers it's a different story like there's less fatigue you know they had obviously a, a day off prior to that game and and the Blazers have a lot less to throw at you, particularly defensively and with Grant out for the Blazers too. So maybe we can start to dive into some more macro things coming off of this game. Joe Mazzulla, you know, I think we've been pretty pro-Joe, pretty in defense of Joe for the most part this season. He's obviously gained his detractors as the season has has gone along. And yet there were, <laughs> there were some fairly inexcusable uh, coaching mistakes in this particular game Spoonie you sort of threw out this little nugget on Twitter before we were had to postpone our pod yesterday saying that you were going to take on the, the challenging feat of defending Joe Mazzola <laughs> but I'd like to hear that because I you know I, I need more ammo for my own Joe Mazzola defense in my day-to-day life so uh, first of all let me say I don't think Joe is one of the best coaches in the NBA or anything like that right now but the things that people are blaming him don't really make any sense to me. The only thing that I completely agree with the detractors on is the lack of Derek White. Mm-hmm. We need more Derek White. There is no reason not to play Derek White. I did find a stat yesterday, though, that Derek White's got a negative net rate, negative 0.1, so barely negative net rating in <laughs> fourth quarters. Still negative. <laughs> yeah, and Grant has a plus five net Come rating on. in fourth quarters. Get out of so, your calculator, man. I, well, yeah, but I mean, the facts are the facts. We're killing teams with Grant in the fourth quarter and not with Derek White. So, I mean, if you if we know Joe is a numbers guy and the numbers are telling him Grant's the better option in the fourth quarter, it's at least defensible for him to make that decision, right? I, I personally don't agree with it. And I know, uh, Jake, I know you don't agree with it. Come on. <laughs> but, I mean, at least with what the numbers are telling us, like, that kind of makes sense to play Grant in that situation, right? If we're killing people when he's on the floor in fourth quarters. But um, look, people say he doesn't make adjustments. Well, we were getting killed on the boards. He went with Muscala at the four with Cornette. Have those two ever played together before? But he just wanted to get size on the court because he had literally no other options. They still got bodied on the boards because the four was Mike Muscala. But Joe's got... The only only has the tools he has, right? So at least he was trying to adjust and he's keeping shooting on the court with Muscala, but he's also getting size to help us on the defensive glass. It's not his fault they can't grab a rebound and they're getting jumped over by Walker Kessler. So, um, and I thought he did a really good job in the fourth quarter. Joe clearly, the game plan was run a pick and roll with Tatum, let him get trapped, and then he makes a play out of it. And you saw Grant Williams get so many wide open threes in that fourth quarter, and he hit most of them. Brogdon with that lack of um, Brogdon with the lack of attention, which going right to the rim, he had a great fourth quarter as well. Um, Cornette should have had a few more points in the fourth quarter if he could hold on to the ball. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a great way to attack what Utah was doing. But you know, we just couldn't secure a defensive rebound when we really needed to. And I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, we're just getting cracked off the dribble by Taylor Horton Tucker. That's not coaching. Mm-hmm. That's just these guys either being tired or not having the desire. Or I don't know if you saw Jared Weiss on a CLNS pod today said, I think Joe's got a bunch of guys who aren't really interested in the regular season right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it's up to the coach to convince them to be interested, but they're like 26 games over 500. They're ready for the playoffs. Like it's hard to get professional athletes motivated sometimes. So yeah, I, I don't think all of this is Joe's fault, but I also don't think he's perfect. So he's probably an average coach and we'll see if that's good enough to win a title or not, but it's really 
all depends on Rob getting healthy one way or another. I don't care if we had the best coach in the league. Rob's got to get healthy. Yeah, as as fun as Blake Griffin has been, you know, as good as Luke Cornett's been, far exceeding expectations for what Luke Cornett brought to the table, that's not a sustainable front court rotation when you get to play in the box and play in the sixes. You're going to need Rob. Like, we've we've probably been saying it since, the, and you can see it in the finals. If Rob's healthy, you probably win the NBA championship, right? So it's like, which is terrifying. Um yeah. <laughs> terrifying um we just literally i got a notification saying that rob's been not on the injury report for tomorrow so oh okay there we hey. go whoa yeah, breaking awesome. news <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i put it to if all people i put it to rob to somehow get back on the injury report between now and tomorrow <laughs> but anyway i digress <laughs> sorry yeah, man it's true <laughs> he's lost in the 70s yeah. somewhere yeah. Yeah. Doctor yeah. Who. If he plays more than 22 minutes i'm out I'm out of here. It's just, yeah. we're, we're in trouble. But yeah, look, I actually thought Moose was battling. I thought he got a lot he of was. tough. He was. That, that's a t- like when, when they're running a lineup of Kessler, Kelly Olenek, and Lowry, you got three seven-footers out there that are all like pretty good on, especially, I mean, Kessler is a monster and has been a monster all season long. Yep. Like mm-hmm. that was going to be an issue. Like even if Al had been playing, that was going to be a problem. Like- yeah, that was that was the the last play. Are we going to talk about the last play? Who are we going to put that one on? That was on Joe. I, there's on no Joe. defending that. There's no defending that. Yeah, there is a uh, there was a quote after the game, I, uh, and of course I don't have it here. I've copied and pasted the wrong uh, quote. To, <laughs> yeah, that's but, the Tesla quote. First to yeah. the floor, baby. <laughs> Jeez, uh, rusty here. But uh, essentially, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Apparently, it was it was drawn up for Jason Tatum. And there was meant to be some sort of action. It was meant to be some sort of variation of that Tatum, you know, backcourt, coming from backcourt downhill play uh, that ended up with Tatum with the ball. But Grant made a read, and that read was um, to drive directly into Kessler uh, for, for, for the block, unfortunately. Grant, Grant did have a pretty detailed explanation of what happened there. And I had kind of, it's on, I think it's on Joe, Malcolm, and Jason, like, what could happen when Grant gets the ball? Tatum is standing in the backcourt. Nobody moved. Yeah. yeah. Nobody. Malcolm's still out yeah. of bounds. And now that you guys are covered, like Grant it, really didn't have, like he could have waited an extra second, like he had yes. time, but Tatum had not moved a muscle yet at all. And Jalen tripped trying to run to the corner. I don't <laughs> know if you noticed that, I did not but Jalen like that. trips up trying to get open in the corner. So it's like, what what is Grant supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was maybe putting Grant in the situation where exactly. he has to make the decision. So it's like Joe, number one, Jason, Malcolm, Grant, if we're going to hand out the hierarchy of play for the last play. But that, again, Tatum, like when you got asked in the post game, are you frustrated with Grant because he um, you know, didn't, didn't give you the ball and the handoff? It's like, no, I'm not frustrated at Grant. I'm like, yeah, because you didn't move. Firstly, you can't get yeah. angry at Grant. And, but he said, that's not why we lost the game. And he's right. Like that. As much as you, you wanted to come down to the last play and execute that last play, like you, you're not going to shoot a high percentage on the like on shots that have five seconds left to the game. Like it's just the reality of the situation. Um, I looked at the clutch offense numbers because it feels like the Celtics have been a disaster in clutch this kind of le- lately and and this year. The Bucks are first in the league at 26 and eight. The Celtics are second at 23 and 12. And the Sixers are third at 24 and 14. Post All-Star break, we're 10th in the league at 5 and 5. Like, that's just kind of standard. And then Ime okay. last season, 13 and 22. A disaster. Yeah. <laughs> a Awful. disaster. That's a really good point. And, yeah. it, and it came through in the playoffs as well. We lost a lot of the close games and we won the games that we won were the ones we won going away. Mm-hmm. The clutch games yeah. we didn't do very well in. Yep. Yeah. And sorry, Ben, not to cut you off, but... Here I go. I have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But everyone's making fun of Joe for running a variation of that same play he's run. That's the first time it hasn't led to a good shot. I mean, it got Tatum the game-tying dunk against Cleveland where he got fouled and we should have won that game. Uh, It got him that open layup against the Rockets. It got Al a wide-open corner three to win the game in double OT against the Knicks. Uh, I believe there was one. Oh, the the Sixers game, we ran it and he got got the pull-up three to win the game. Like, that play has worked every single time 
So why go deeper into your playbook and show other coaches more of what you have at the end of the games for playoffs when you just keep running a variation of the same thing and it keeps working? Maybe we see something different now that it's not worked, but also he's run stuff for Jalen the end of the first overtime and in the Knicks game. He gave got Jalen isolated on the wing against Quentin Grimes. He got the and one to tie the game, go to double OT. That's a that's a different play. That's an intentional play to get Jalen Brown isolated in an empty side. So I just think that criticism is is pretty unfounded. It looked ridiculous last night, but or two nights ago, whenever it was. But I mean, for the most part, we've been pretty effective at these. Like to Jake's point, the odds of making these shots are low. So the fact that we're getting good looks means the process is right. And Joe's mostly doing his job. Yeah. That is the correct viewpoint that he should stick with, or we should stick with what works. But fans like myself, like we find ourselves, you know, these armchair warriors getting frustrated that we don't seem to have more of a repertoire as far as, you know, end of game options. But of course, like, why should we show our hand if we don't have to in the regular season? So I, I do agree with that, as frustrating as it is in the moment. And Going with Grant Williams there, if we indeed were trying to go with Grant Williams, he had 12 points in the fourth quarter. It's not, you know, the hot hand, but he had been very effective in that fourth quarter. Unfortunately, made a decision to drive into into Walker Kessler. And I will read that quote. Uh, this is from Kessler after the game. I figured he was going to shot fake, so I stayed down and tried to time it as best as I could, and I got a hand on it, Kessler said about his rejection at the rim, which, you know, maybe speaks to some predictability that's being born out of Grant's game lately that it's like either jack a three or shot fake those are his two moves and when you're in the paint jacking a three is not an option and therefore the shot fake is, is going to occur so well read there uh, by Walker Kessler and unfortunate that, that Grant doesn't have more variation in his game to pull out in that particular moment but you know it's, it's tough to imagine how one would act in that situation as non-NBA players um, sticking with Joe Mazzulla coaching criticisms I know we're defending him here when we talk about him, his, part of his role is like to put guys in a position to succeed. And what's your read, Jake, on Jalen Brown only having two field goal attempts in the entire fourth quarter? Tatum had three, you know, maybe a little bit more forgivable given how much he was being blitzed and double teamed throughout the course of the game, particularly in the second half. Jalen Brown only having two field goal attempts um, seems concerning to me. I feel like this is a Jalen thing, not a Joe thing. Because I think this goes back to last year and with Brad. I feel like we're often, and I can see if I can pull it up, but I, I would guess that Jalen's field goal attempts in the fourth quarter are often pretty low considering how many he takes for the whole game. And I think that's Jalen not getting, like, making it a point to go get the ball. Like, if you if you want the ball, a lot of the time you can you can find a way to, to get it, whether it's cutting, um, going to get it at the top of the key. Like you can you can often go get it. Maybe you draw some stuff up. I know we've been talking about drawing some plays up for him at the end of the game, end of games, because Tatum's been cold, pretty pretty cold uh, as of late. And so getting and getting Jalen, who's been on a tear since the All Star break, maybe we let him actually have a shot here. He had that he had that clutch three late in the fourth quarter. Also missed another one, but yeah, I'd like to see Jalen get some more opportunities at least, but. For as far as him not getting enough field goals in the fourth quarter, I think that that I think that's been a been a, a thing for a few years now, and I don't think it's a coaching thing. I think it's a Jalen thing. Interesting. Guys, what do you think, Spence? Not to come in with too many stats here, but right. Jalen does average more field goals attempt in the fourth quarter than Jason Tatum. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and he also wow. is like top ten in scoring in the fourth quarter. He's thirteenth with with seven points per fourth quarter. That. It is surprising. Well, I take everything I said back. <laughs> Where was he no, when we needed him? Well, <laughs> I, I, I think I think you guys are are hitting on the point that Tatum dominates the last like two minutes, right? The money time when we really need a bucket, it goes to Tatum. And like, doesn't that speak to maybe it should start going to Jalen a little bit more if he's yeah. one of the best fourth quarter scorers yeah, in absolutely. the league, right? So like, I mean, if we're looking at just like the crunch time, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely spot on. Um, he's the guy in, to start the fourth quarter and then Tatum takes over, even if like Jalen has got like, you know, say 44 points against the Rockets or whatever it was, and it still goes to Tatum. So yeah, I think I think we need more Jalen in late game situations 
My only concern is he turns it over a lot. So I wonder if that's why Joe. And yeah, I think this has been a complaint since Brad is that we ice out Jalen Brown in fourth quarters. So I think of any of his coaches, Joe's probably been doing the best job keeping him involved in the fourth quarter. But even still, those last two minutes when we really need a bucket, it's always Tatum. And especially now where he is ice, ice cold. Yeah, it's not been working. And, you know, if fatigue is a factor, which we have to assume that it is for Tatum, I know that he, like we all ride the Tatum roller coaster. He has had some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows of any player that I've ever stand in my life. (laughs) But right now he's really in that trough. And, you know, fatigue, clearly a factor given just the volume of basketball he's played since joining the NBA. And obviously the wrist is a factor as well. Active rest, we talked about it a couple of pods ago, is, is probably one of the strategies for the Celtics. Like, we're not going to sit him, but we're going to let him, you know, play at 50% or 75% capacity, whatever it might be, so that, he, you know, he doesn't have as much mileage on his legs come the postseason. Surely part of that in the fourth quarter should be going to the hot hand in Jalen Brown, uh, like a very legitimate 1A or 1B, whatever you want to call it, for the Celtics. Disappointing that that wasn't a factor in this game because you look at the two field goal attempts for JB, how hot he's been. The fact that we lost by one, that could have been the difference. But really, going up 19 and then letting fatigue bring you back down and and give up that lead, um, there's a lot going into this loss. It's not just the fact that Jalen Brown only had two field goal attempts, but it's certainly a concerning point. Before we move on, guys, we're going to get to this wild would-you-rather section, but while we're hanging (laughs) on the Jazz game or the Blazers game, have you got anything else that you want to drop with regards to the, the weekend's worth of games? I know Tatum, as far as shooting, is definitely in a slump, but the Blazers game, I thought was some of the most locked in. Minnesota and the Blazers game, defensively and the defensive boards, it yeah. w- the team just looks completely different when he's playing like defense at his peak, because at his peak, he's one of the best wing defenders in the NBA, and we're just not seeing it consistently, which is fine. That's That part's fine. I think we've kind of all spoken about, like, I would, I would prefer to not to see the active rest part. Like at this point, you're gonna he's gonna get pretty close to 70 games, regardless. So let's just let him actually take some of these games off because I I think the active rest actively hurts the team sometimes. Um, last podcast we t- spoke about Tatum in the post. Spoonie basically spearheaded this conversation. Now on the internet, it feels like everybody's on the Tatum in the post stuff. Um, in the Blazers game, we like I'm gonna play a clip here. We saw literally the second possession of the game gets mashed up in transition on Dame. This is an automatic free throws anytime there's a smaller player on him. And something that I'd like to see more of, he goes into the post and this this little mid-range Dirk huh. fadeaway. We're just not seeing this happen enough. Like, I know the mid-range numbers for Tatum aren't very high, but like, these... To mix it up, like you look at his shot chart right now, it is just, it is so Maury Ball. Like it's just all threes and all in the paint. And he's not shooting a high efficiency on threes. So why not just, because I feel like he gets a rhythm when he gets some of these post touches and um, and just keeps the defense a little bit more on their toes. Like let's just, you know, get a little post. He can pass out of there. Like if he, if he makes one or two, then now the defense is going to start to shade over and those passes can be easier. It gets the ball moving. Like, and then we saw zero post touches in the jazz game. And so I just, I don't know if it's a, it was a fatigue thing and we feel like it doesn't make so, sense to me. On that turnaround fadeaway, Jake, I saw a stat today. He's shooting over 50% on post turnarounds. So well, that's an incredible yeah. shot for him. But no. I think I think a lot of it had to do with how the Jazz were defending him because this is him on the catch posting up at the three-point line. Look at that. He's catching yeah. the ball. Yeah, what? <laughs> and there's already two Jazz on him. And they're just completely ignoring Mike Muscala. Um, and you can see Rudy Gay with his eyes all over Tatum. So... I think that goes to how the Jazz were defending. But to your point, that's a good thing. Like, that is such an easy way to create efficient offense. Jason Tatum just has to turn his back and catch a ball, and all of a sudden somebody's wide open. Do that every play. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's what we want. We want him to get doubled in the post because then it makes offense super easy for everybody. So, yeah, more Tatum post-ups. Just 
post up, dude. You better do it in the playoffs. I but, understand if he's saving himself, but damn. Yeah, well, back yeah. in the yeah, attention. Go, Go ahead, Jake. No, no, I, I'm just going to read this comment here. I'll put it up on the screen. So back in November, December, when it was you know peak Missoula ball and everyone was celebrating you know our three-point volume and three-point accuracy, the Tatum story there was how efficient he was from two. And I think he was leading mm-hmm. the league uh, or, or at least had his position in various two-point scoring you know, levels and areas and, and zones and whatnot. It wasn't that he was like jacking it up from three really successfully along with the rest of the team. It was that, you know, he was being opened up for an incredible two-point score. I think it was like 70% at the rim at one point. There were some mid-range opportunities for him as well, some post-ups. We've really gone away from that. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, you know, that's a more of a high-effort approach to the game offensively. I can't help but think, again, along the lines of active rest. I really hope that we can just, like, open the lid on that, crack the, crack the lid on that, if you will, for the postseason or at least a few games heading into the postseason to get back in a rhythm there for Tatum because clearly those opportunities are there and clearly Tatum asserting himself in that sense of his game opens up three-point opportunities for the rest of the team as well. So really important that we get back to that. I hope that the deviation away from that is just about playoff readiness and health and preservation and things like that. I was going to pose a question to you guys, if that's all right. Yeah, please. A lot of it seems to coincide with Smart's injury, right? And like, who is better than getting the Jays in their spots? And we saw it last night. Smart's not, we, he, Smart plays the Portland game. He's posting up. He's getting in all (laughs) these spots we want him to. He doesn't play in Utah. And then all of a sudden that all goes away and Tatum's running a million high pick and rolls. Like, do you guys think it has to do with Smart going out? Yes. Look, yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) No question. The Celtics have been at their best offensively when Marcus has been playing the point guard. Yeah. Whether it was the second half of last season or the first half of this season, Marcus smashed the point guard. As much as we love Derek White, he doesn't quite have the level of chemistry that Marcus has with Jason and Jalen. Those those backdoor cuts that where Jalen, like, you know, Marcus is dribbling to the wing, Jalen fakes a, a handoff and then goes back to that is becoming an absolute staple. I, I think it. it's I think it's coming with Tatum as well. There's been a couple that have kind of had some hands um, on balls the last couple of games. Derek, as good as he's been, he doesn't have that mind meld with Tatum and Jalen. Mm-hmm. And just Mar- Marcus is, I think he yeah he sees it. He, he a play or or a second or two earlier um, when Tatum has position or Jalen has the right spot. So yeah, I think it definitely the maestro. The maestro, his, his stock was rising. I, I think still is. The last few games, Minnesota, uh, definitely against the Blazers, he was conducting. He was maestroing. And, you know, we saw success out of that. I know they, we only won the, the Wolves game, you know, by the skin of our teeth. But the success that we have seen very recently has been very much Marcus Smart-centric. So, um, hopefully, he's not on that injury report as well, along with Rob Williams heading into that Kings game. Because, you know, we win this and we're going to get to the Kings game at the end of the pod. But, you know, we win that game by 10 or more. Suddenly, that's, that's a narrative shifting victory all of a sudden. We walk away from this long road trip four and two. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but to have some guys For back sure. to potentially make that a reality that is very, backfired? very spicy. <laughs> um, would you rather Celtics edition... Part two, we've done this before to great success. And this is really where we need you folks in the chat to chime in with your Celtics-related would-you-rather propositions. I'll start, guys, and maybe we can just keep going around the horn until we until we tire ourselves out, kind of like the Celtics did against the Jazz in the second half last night. <laughs> um, would you rather Jason Tatum pull up three at 37% or Maestro... Marcus Smart forever. And I've stolen one of your guys. I've just started at the top of the list, so I apologize. But yeah, that's fine. I, I that's put it, fine. I put it to cool. both of you. Marcus Smart, oh, sorry, Jason Tatum shooting pull-ups at 37%. I think is at 28-ish now or less. Mm-hmm. Or Maestro Marcus focused, dialed in, best version of Marcus Smart forever. Start with you, Jake. I, I, think, I think it's the pull-ups because I think we can, we can live with... 80% Maestro Marcus and 20% Chaotic Marcus. And the net result is still fantastic. But when Tatum's shooting the pull-up three at a high level, he's literally like the best player in the NBA. Like it's just, 
it's just he's very, he's completely unstoppable. So I think that's definitely the number, and he needs to get a new trainer for the off season. Someone's going to fix his three point shot. Sorry. Oh yeah, calling out Drew Hamlin. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, sorry, Drew, and we know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, enough of this invade stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, as much, as nice it would it would be to see Smart stop trying off the backboard alley oops in games <laughs> that are not forty point blowouts. Uh, yeah, it's got to be Tatum's pull ups, man. He's so unguardable when that's going down, which is why I think he goes to it so much because he yeah. knows, oh, if this is going down tonight, I'm gonna have forty five. So, uh, give me Tatum's pull ups. Interesting. I, I would take Maestro Marcus Smart every day of my life because I feel like <laughs> a, a symptom, a positive symptom of that would be Tatum's pull-up, everything. The, the Celtics are at their best when Marcus Smart is playing that way and to the point where we can afford Tatum shooting pull-ups at a lower percentage. Like We've seen it in the best parts of this season. So for me, the, the most, maybe the most important factor of the Celtics having success in the postseason is Marcus the Maestro Smart you know, conducting the orchestra at an elite level. So uh, I'll throw it to you guys to throw out the next Would You Rather so that I don't like verbally dominate this segment. But what, what do you guys got for us? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take the next one. And Justin in the chat, no, this is this is a calming this podcast. Is a safe space. We're not panicking. This is safe. Rob's back. He's off the injury report. Life's good. Okay, Would You Rather, JB's mid-range fader or Sam Hauser's liquid three-point stroke. And I'm guessing this is more just from a personal perspective. Uh-huh. Is it we're going with this I one? I guess so. We're all over um, the shop on this one. Yeah, I yeah, took it as like, what do I find more appealing mm. in <laughs> like a player, essentially? And I am of the, I, you know, I grew up on that late 90s, early 2000s hoops where mid-range was king. There is nothing more like visually appealing to me than watching an elite mid-range shooter uh, there's just something about it like somebody's draped all over you and you just rise up with that like soft fade away like DeRozan or Jalen does so I'm taking JB's mid-range all day over Sam Hauser huh. you, I mean you sound very close to a Kobe Bryant like a sympathizer there with that, <laughs> that Never, man, Pierce had a nice mid-range game come <laughs> no, on no. <laughs> I will say Sam Hauser I don't think he worked quite appreciating how good of a shooter he is like some of the shots that he gets out, out off with like such little space and pulling pulling passes off his shoelaces and then letting it fly like i'm excited to kind of see where sam hauser goes over the next kind of couple of years um once he gets he gets a little bit more in the weight room gets in that 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 nba you know diet and and the program in the off season but yeah there's nothing better like jb pivot 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 or like cross pull it back, bang, like, it's just poetry in motion. You can't can't go away from that one. I'm taking Houses 3 because I, oh. I just turned 36 oh. a couple of weeks ago. And last night <laughs> I, was, oh, I was playing basketball and I tell you what, running three-point line to three-point line with some sort of, you know, productivity, uh, you know, out of that is uh, much easier on the joints and the body at, at this particular age than trying to get anywhere in the paint, particularly against zone defenses, which is what anyone plays, uh, all that anyone plays at this particular level. It's impossible to get into the paint. So being able to jack up threes despite fatigue throughout the course of the game, I know I'm going away from the Celtics here. I'm talking about my own personal life, but um, (laughs) shooting at literally an elite level uh, at my age would prolong my game for years. And I fear that my my playing days are coming to an end. So uh, I'm I'm nowhere close to getting a Sam Howes level uh, (laughs) three-point shot. Spoonie, uh, what's your would-you-rather prop for us? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this next one we have in the notes and let whichever one of you wrote it take it. So uh, okay, I, I came up with uh, Rob, we guarantee Rob's health through the finals, but anybody else can get injured, or you guarantee the health of the rest of the roster, and you just take Rob as he is. Like so, he might not get hurt, or he may. You don't know. Which would you rather have? Oh, that's you, you're speaking so, to so like my like, gambler yeah. mentality here. Yeah, <laughs> right. you so, so you're saying we get Rob healthy, and then we have the current health probability of everybody else as exactly, is. exactly. Like yeah, Al give me, Brogdon, yeah. Tatum with the wrist. Like nah, give me, give me Rob guarantee. healthy. All give right. me Rob healthy. Look, the only other, the only one on the team that has like ever missed a playoff game is Marcus. Like Al's never been injured a day in his life. 
That's me knocking touch wood. Uh, Progton. I'm touching a lot of wood. No, no, no. <laughs> give, give me, give me the, give me the, the title, the title unlocking key guy. Give me that guy. Yeah, I'll take healthy time lord at the risk of anyone else's injuries. Given that, if, like, without any of this, was risking all of those injuries and Rob anyway. I'll take a guaranteed healthy Rob <laughs> uh, all day. What do you think, Spoons? Yeah, Rob's sweeping it. Give me healthy Rob. Yeah. I'll I'll risk everybody else. We need Rob. It doesn't matter. Jake, do you want to circle back to your, your yeah. spicy would yeah. you rather? <laughs> this is a, this is tough. So we need audience participation on this one as well. Yeah. Those in the chat. Would you prefer to have Al Horford's beautiful, gorgeous blue eyes or Jalen Brown's biceps? This is... I've got it. I got, eyes or buys? As an, as an already incredibly jacked man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I would look pretty ridiculous with Jalen's biceps <laughs> on me, so give me Al's eyes. <laughs> I'm taking the ridiculous biceps. I don't care. Yeah, like, I love it. I want to yeah. like wear a like a you know a formal shirt and like rip it you know i just want that that day once in my life just give you give me that experience i mean eyes you know i'm looking out from my eyes so it's not like i have a personal gain from that but if i can look out from my eyes down to my musculature then uh, i'll take that all day yeah i'm biceps too as a as a five as a five foot seven individual um i've been i've been trying to crush plates in the gym for for over a decade now, and uh, to no avail. I I <laughs> still have miniature sized biceps relative to Jalen. Just one day to live in those, live in those would be glorious. Genetics, bro. All right, so the buyers <laughs> win over the eyes. Uh, Joe always <laughs> playing Derek in crunch time, or Grant Williams rediscovers his defensive abilities. Okay. I feel like I'll go just because this is Please. kind of the mistress versus Pete Grant defense. Close to your heart. This is tough. But go back and watch Grant's defense in the playoffs. Kyrie, KD, Giannis, like unreal. Give me back <laughs> as much as it pains me. We don't need Derek as much as we need Grant's peak defense. Like we if we need that, we need it. If Greg can start switching one through five again and holding up on point guards all the way through the Arnises and Embiid's, that is so, so valuable when you talk about raising your ceiling uh, and getting to the finals and winning the, the championship. It feels like, kind of like answering the same with the Rob health question, like giving Grant's defense. Yeah, I, I, I actually, yeah, this is a tough one. There are matchups where Derek White's not really fit for like I thought Anthony Edwards gave him a lot of trouble just because he's so strong when Grant's at his peak defensively he can stay in front of Kyrie Irving and body up Giannis I mean there's just not many guys in the edge basically like Al Horford and a few other guys who are that versatile on the defensive end obviously he's not a great rim protector but um, I I think it's Grant's defense just from a pure playoff perspective even though Please play Derek and Crunch Time more, Joe. We're begging you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Grant's defense for me as well, just because of who we have coming up in the playoffs. So basically everything that you guys have, have said already. Okay, I've got one more guy, one more for you guys, and then we'll run through our, our final three. Heat or Knicks in the first round, which uh, two likely-ish first-round opponents at this point. Um, Jake. You want to throw the Nets in there? Sure. Okay, I'll throw the Nets in there. I think that's going to be the answer, though, not to not to jump the gun. But uh, fair, who's your fair, preference? Cool. Fair, yeah. Look, we'll stick with the Knicks and the Heat. Give me, give me the Heat. I know they have wow. like the poltergeist, paranormal, supernatural element to them. The Knicks are so much better, and the Knicks also have our number. So, like, I think when you work, when you think when you think about you know history playing into it, I think the Knicks have a actually legitimate chance of. Beating this, oh, a more legitimate chance of beating the Celtics, as painful and terrifying and horrifying as some of the games against the Heat would just be. I just we will still win that series. I no no doubt in my mind, but there's like a tiny bit of doubt in my mind when it comes to uh, the Knicks. They're a deeper team. They're more they're more talented, but the Heat, man, doesn't matter who they're playing. It's the Pistons yesterday. They come back, win another game in crunch time, or they're playing. Um, 
who was the contender they played the other day? I forget, but like play them down to the wire. It doesn't matter who it is. Their point differential is negative 0.5 right now. That's because they play everybody tight. They have 50 clutch games this season. That's insane. Yeah, that's wild. 50. That is insane. 50 games within five in the last yeah. five minutes. <laughs> 50, 51 after yesterday. Like they should be the 11th seed. Yeah. They should be the 11th seed. But in the playoffs, there's no doubt that, that they get, they're going to force. And in the in crunch time, Jimmy Butler, man, I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want that. Give me the Knicks. Draw. I, and I know I'm, I'm just a hater at this point. I'm just a non-believer in them <laughs> in the playoffs. I'm mostly, I'm a non-believer in Julius Randle in the playoffs. Like okay. the stuff he's hitting the last time we saw him in the playoffs, he shot over 40% from three all season. Here comes Julius Randle. And then he couldn't throw it in the ocean in the playoffs, man. I just do not think his game translates. He doesn't get a lot of those like ticky tack fouls and stuff he gets where he just kind of does his sort of, you know, poor man's LeBron routine as well. So uh, I don't trust Tibbs as a playoff coach at all. I'm a, I'm very afraid of Spolstra out coaching Missoula. I'm not afraid of Tibbs out coaching him. The only guy that worries me is Brunson. I really think he is. He may not be underrated anymore, but coming to the season, he was the most underrated player in the NBA. That guy is really, really good. But, you know, you can play Mitchell Robinson off the court. Um, and then once Robinson's out there, I think their defense largely falls apart. So give, give me the Knicks, even though I think it's really, really close. I think we beat either of these teams for yes, sure. Yes, me too. So, sure. um, the, Knicks yeah. have, the Knicks have cooled off since taking us down in double overtime since then. They come were into- hitting some shit. Yeah. Man, some shit in that game, <laughs> yeah. too. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on. But, that yeah. is not going to happen in but They do. Games. They do that against us. I, RJ Barrett banked I know. buzzer beater. So it's got to end at some point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, over the course of an up to seven game series, you would, you would hope that uh, you know, bears the way of the Celtics in that particular one. I agree with you, Spoonie. Give me the Knicks over the Heat. I just don't want anything to do with the Heat, and I kind of want to throw the Heat at any of our potential second round matchups. Like, just send them in like a squadron to like do damage to their perimeter defenses to like knock them down so that we can airstrike. I don't know. Clearly, I've never been in the military. That probably made no sense <laughs> as an analogy. But you know what I mean? Like, send them in, do some damage. Go get the bucks, fellas. Go. go get them, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's my preference. Uh, we've got a few more here. Spoonie, what do you got for us? Would you rather have the first, second, or third seed given sort of the potential matchups? I'll happily take this. Like, give me the first seed. Please, Ben. <laughs> like, obviously, home court advantage throughout the playoffs. I think if we were to get back up to the first seed, that would give us a better record than anyone in the West as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Home court advantage throughout. Yes, there's a you, know, you have to call into question what effort would it take to get there and does that diminish our health, the healthiness going into the postseason? But if we can get there healthy and take the one seed, to me, this is an obvious answer. Like, Just get home court advantage throughout the course of the playoffs. We would currently have home court advantage over the Nuggets as it stands because the Nuggets have also been sliding. So to me, it's the two seed. Like the the Philly matchup, I want more than the Cavs matchup. Like I just, I <laughs> I can't, I just, I love the matchup for us so much more than the Cavs matchup. Like dealing with Donovan Mitchell versus dealing with James Harden is a no-brainer. I know there's the Embiid side of things, but I should I should not dismiss that at all. But and yeah, as we speak, Bulls hanging on up three here, third quarter. Wait, come on, Bulls! This is this is a, would be a classic Bulls win to just be four games below 500, but beat the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Sixers in a season. Yeah. Um, and like from a home road perspective, I don't worry so much about the Celtics winning on the road. Vice versa, like both the Bucks and the Celtics are good on the road. Uh, I, I, I'm more worried about getting to the conference finals at this point. Like, just, just get us there. We'll figure it out. Uh, I know this team can win on the road, and if we get to the conference finals, that means that we've, we've clicked. We're, we're back to kind of playing some of our best basketball. And if that's the, if that's what's happening, if that's what's happening on the court, I don't mind playing um, road games in Milwaukee. Not, not scared of Pfizer for him. Come on. Yeah, I, I don't think the Sixers can defend us. I mean, they're going to have to play Maxi and they're going to have to play Harden. And that is just a recipe for disaster. That puts so much pressure on Embiid. You got to think at least one or two of those games, he's going to get into early foul trouble. And then that game is just basically over. 
So give me the two seed. Let knock out the Sixers in the second round again. Yeah. And then um, I don't love conceding home court to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. But yeah, I agree with you, Jake. Like they've shown they can go into Milwaukee and win games and vice versa for the Bucks. So uh, give me the two. That, and I, I I just think the Cleveland matchup will be so... And Donovan Mitchell just makes the most ridiculous stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah, give me the two. And they make it hard for us at the rim with Mobley. I'd, on a, I'm also kind of out on Cleveland a little bit at the moment. Yeah, I think we can stretch them, them out with Al, you know. Yeah, like, and like defending them, they've got so many non-shooters. Like you got yeah. you got Mobley, Allen, plus whoever they're playing in that three spot. Like you're just not worried about them Okoro. being a threat. Makoro or like well, on, if you're, come on, if you're, if you're playing Osman and it's like you don't have him on the other one. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Either. We're winning the title. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, like, yeah, we're, we're, still, back, really. we're still so in the mix. Like, it's so easy to list yeah. all of the flaws with all of our potential yeah. opponents. Like, but then you, yeah, you look at the other teams. It's like, yeah, everybody is super flawed. There's no super team this year, no. right? Not and at we all. We are like basically matchup proof. We're never going to have like that matchup that you can just destroy, and that's so valuable in the playoffs. I don't think any other contender has that. That's exact. Like when I watch the box, as good of as good as they are. They're still playing one of, you know, Grayson Allen, Javon Carter, you know, guys that you don't want to be in your top five. Same with the sixes. Like there's guys you can attack on one end or zero on the other end versus the others can play threats at all time, two way. They have the highest ceiling out of any team. The problem with the Celtics is they just don't consistently hit their ceiling. Yeah. But they don't need to hit their ceiling every game. They right. need to hit the four out of seven. Honestly, Three, because even when they're not playing their best, they can still win some of these games. Mm-hmm. So it's like just three out of seven games, play your best, win the title. Easy. Yeah. Speaking of Easy, interesting Jake. matchups, Jake, you've got our next Would yeah. You Rather. I feel like, Spoonie, you might have to uh, um, do the accent for me here, but lobster rolls or clam chowder? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> how did I it's, go? A heavy, it's a heavyweight fight. Uh, it really is. I think summer, I'm taking the lobster roll. Winter, clam chowder. But, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I actually think lobster rolls are a little overrated, a mm. little bit. So I'm going clam chowder, man. Like even bad clam chowder, it's like pizza. It's pretty good as long as it doesn't make you sick. Well, I love clam chowder. I'm a clam chowder Me every too. day, breakfast, lunch, dinner. I lobster roll. See you later. Are you a lobster roll guy, Ben? Look, if I was working on a movie set and I had to come up with something like some fake vomit, I would just order some clam chowder. Like, it just looks disgusting. <laughs> the texturally, it's disgusting. It Whereas yeah. lobster rolls, often like with music, like we tie food to memories and, you know, going to get lobster rolls with your buddy Ro uh, Spoonie in, in Boston there before an NBA Finals game. Great memory. And I, just, I didn't actually, I wasn't aware of lobster rolls and that they were a thing. And they were oh, fr- yeah. freaking delicious. And Oh, yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. yeah. They're so They're also so like $40 each. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to wait. You got to wait a little bit. There's some pretty good spots there in Boston. But um, lobster rolls all day. Um, still be meaning to cook one up. I, I suppose I've missed my, my mark now that the Aussie summer is finished. So I'll have to wait till next year. But I want to introduce them <laughs> to the, the Aussie market here. One final matchup, one final would you rather. It sounded like Clam Chatter won uh, that one, unfortunately. Um, barely, barely. Um, would you <laughs> rather the Celtics St. Paddy's Day jersey from approximately 15 years ago or the IT era Christmas Day alt jersey? Both incredible jerseys, maybe two of the best alt Celtics jerseys of all time, if not the two best. Jake, I'll start with you. Which of these two jerseys would you rather bring back for, for these current Celtics? As soon as you mention IT, that's it for me. <laughs> Get, like, he's the reason I went from like pretty big fan to living and dying by how Yuan Bergeron's playing in France. Like, he's the reason I turned into a, a, a true Celtic sicko. Like, that whole. That that season was is like my peak sports memory ever. So give me those jerseys. I think the St. Paddy's Day is the best alternate jersey they've ever made mm-hmm. because it maintains the classic look, but throws that little extra sprinkle with the gold lettering and the gold numbers. I just think it looks so clean. It fits in with sort of our theme of having everything classic and unchanged, but it's got a little extra spice to it. 
Uh, although agreed, the IT Christmas jerseys are awesome. Those are sick. Yep. So um, I would take the St. Patty's jersey, but it's a close one. Yeah, I would take them as well. I feel like the the Jersey team, I don't know what department is responsible for in the Celtics. They've always <laughs> been pretty conservative and then they'll come out with like a wild deviation and it's like, whoa, 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 like you've gone too far. Like bring it back, yeah. like stay within those classical lines. There's still a lot that you can work with and keep it tasteful like either of these two options. Um, but the is it the City Edition jersey? Is that what they call it from this year and last year? Like I'm just not a fan. It's just... It's too off Remember in one that direction. Gray monstrosity what, the sleeved with sleeves? Ones? Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also IT era. So uh, you know, you win some, you lose some with your ears. Great there. jersey. Yeah. Great jersey. Oh no. <laughs> now, before we wrap up for tonight, Jake, there's some intel on, you know, uh, potential, you know, benefit for the Celtics out of the Rockets and and a pick. Um, that we might be gifted by them at the end of the season based on how the rest of that season goes. Do you have any more info for us on that? So the Rockets' loss was actually good, firstly, because if the Rockets can get up to the third worst record, we get their second round pick. And if it, um, it's the worst or second worst record, it goes to the Pacers. The 33rd pick would be like a kind of a pretty big deal. Like that range in the draft now, the the mid to late twenties to like the mid like the mid thirties is a lot of good players are starting to come out of come out of that range in the draft. And for a team that doesn't have another first round pick this year, that's essentially a first round pick. So like when you're when you're a team that's been trading away picks, bringing in veterans, like eventually we're not gonna be able to re sign everybody. Eventually, you know, guys are gonna get older, like you're gonna need an infusion of talent somehow. And that would be a perfect, perfect way to do it. So the Spurs beating the Hawks yesterday, as much as I enjoyed that, because I don't really like the Hawks very much, and then blowing a 27-point lead to the Spurs yesterday was, you know, fun. That was actually bad for the Celtics. So just anytime you're flicking on league pass, you know, that's an option. That's some emotional investment. Uh, Not fun. I did not enjoy watching the Pelicans-Rockets game yesterday, let me tell you. Not good hoops. <laughs> Do the research, though. I love it. Uh, and like, yeah, we don't have a first round pick this uh, this coming off season. So, thirty three. That's leaning back into the first round a little bit. Early second yeah. there. Uh, love it. It's uh, it's good stuff. Good pickup. Any thoughts there, Spoonie? Before we wrap up. No, we need another draft guy now that Penny has retired from the content game. So yeah, we got to reach out. Or if you are somehow are a fan of this show and are a draft like guru. Hit us up. Yeah. Because we yeah. need a draft guy. We're talking to you, Kevin O'Connor. It's time. It's time yeah. to get you on the show. We've been asking Sam you for Vecini. five years. I know you're out yeah. there. I know you're listening. Go up and come on the show. Yeah. Sam Vecini, I'm going to fly down to Melbourne. I'm going to knock on your door, which yeah. sounds very creepy yeah. to say out loud. I won't do that. I promise. Uh, now, we do play the Kings tomorrow. Uh, it's 1 p.m. Sydney time. I guess that's quite late. Spoonie slash Boston time. It's got to be, what, like a, t- a 10 p.m. game there? Yeah. Wow, crazy. Um, yeah, that's brutal. They are Gosh. playing the Jazz tonight. They've got to fly home. So they're on the second night of a back-to-back. We are rested. We've got three starters who we know are very rested who didn't play against the Jazz a couple of days ago. Like I said earlier, guys, like if we if we win this game, we're coming away from this road trip four and two. The Kings, they're a credible team, particularly offensively, second in the West right now. It looks like they've got that spot pretty well locked up at this point with everything that's going on with Memphis. Um how do you feel going into this one? Like, if, I want to say, and I always be optimistic, like, obviously a bounce back is needed after that Jazz game. It kind of looks like they're putting it together a little bit. We talked about Smart Maestroing. If he's back, if Time Lord's back, if the thirst to win is back instilled within the Jays, and there's some fatigue there for the Kings, like, surely we can win this one. Jake, what do you think? I just really want to see the defense. Rob's back off the injury report. Tatum's defense has been on the up. Marcus got three days, three days off, which I think was the correct decision without question. Uh-huh. That's what I'm looking for. You know, win, lose, the Kings could just like go absolutely nuclear. Like they're just making all these tough shots. But best offensive in the in the NBA. A lot of people I think are going to be watching this one. A lot of people eyes are on the Celtics right now. A lot of eyes are on the Kings. Like this, no question, would be a narrative game. It would make listening to other various podcasts and consuming various. NBA content more enjoyable for me right now. Yes, so personally, please. it would be just just win win a game that's important or like has a narrative aspect to it. 
I, I like how we match up with offense first teams that don't have a lot of size. Yeah. Um, I think we generally have done well against the Nuggets the last few years. Um, the Hawks are hit or miss, but this year I thought we've done quite well against them as well. So I, I like how we match up against the Kings. Obviously, we're going to be right. Re- we've probably been in Sacramento. We've, they probably left Utah and went straight to yeah. Sacramento. So we've beat them. No excuse to lose this game. So I think they'll come out. Cool. I think they're probably going to be pissed off after that Utah loss. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the C's got this one, which means they will probably lose and crush my hopes. So, yep. You know. yep. <laughs> Just give, give us a double right. OT game, Utah. I swear if <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker has like a four for a 14 game, I'm going to be well, infuriated. Oh, I'm yeah. going to be infuriated. Or Chris Dunn. Chris yeah. Dunn oh hitting pull-up threes and that like crazy layup. Uh, like, you got to like, be dude, kidding. Kevin made a shot in your whole NBA career. Tonight's the night. I know. Unreal. Unbelievable. Yeah. And look, Kevin Huerta, he's questionable going into this game against the Jazz tonight. So I don't know how that bears out oh, for the Celtics tomorrow, but there's at least definitely... something there. One less outside shooting threat is always good for how the Celtics defense is going to look. Anyway, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a nice rating and review on your preferred podcast app. Leave a comment on YouTube here if you're not watching live already. Hit us up on social media, all that good stuff. We'll be back on Thursday night after whatever happens in the Kings game. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics.